to another episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Joining you in body, but boy not in spirit. It's that kind of day. And Daniel. Hey! Today we'll be discussing Season 6, Episode 20, which is called Loose Ends. The episode aired on May 4th in the year 2000. Lauren, what was going on that week 22 years ago? After U.S. President Bill Clinton loosens restrictions on accurate GPS data access, the first ever instance of geocaching occurs. The first tech-based treasure hunt took place in Beaver Creek, Oregon, with the first cache containing software, videos, books, money, a can of beans, and a slingshot. Apparently, the that can of beans is like something, something of a mythical item in the... Enthusi- geocaching enthusiast community cool. like the original beans or something i don't know I, I went down a weird rabbit hole <laughs> with with i do that sometimes with the headlines when they're sparse it's worth it um in what was clearly a case of eric paladino's skyrocketing stardom influencing movie revenues u571 takes its second box office crown beating out newcomers frequency where the heart is and the flintstones in viva rock vegas oh boy Flintstones and Viva Rock Vegas, one of the worst sequel movies of any trilogy, or I mean, of any uh, film franchise ever conceived. Oh, that movie is bad. I somehow only remember this one. Uh, this one's more in my like childhood wheelhouse of like mm-hmm. I would have been I would have been paying better attention to this one, but like, yeah. And I'm sure I probably thought it was fine when I watched it when I was ten, but like the second I was had a functioning brain i probably realized what a horrible fucking movie this is i i'm just saying like when i picture these flintstone movies for some reason it's only viva rock vegas that is in my brain yeah it's like how national lampoon's vegas vacation even though it's a objectively shitty movie is just burned into my brain because i've seen i saw it so many times as a kid fair i mean that's kind of a that's kind of a symptom of like this era of tv watching because we had the advent of like the movie channels and the movie channels because they were like B channels would always get like the shitty sequels of things. Like I've seen like RoboCop three way more than I've seen RoboCop the original because that was the one that was always on, even though it's the shitty one. Like they just could only afford the shitty entries in these iconic series. And Santana and the product Santana and the product GNB will not be denied as Maria Maria continues its run atop the music charts. As for what else is on that same evening at 8 p.m., Friends with the episode The One Where Paul's the Man. Uh, at 8.30, we had a Friends rerun. Uh, at 9, Frasier with three faces of Frasier. Uh, and at 9.30, a Frasier rerun. So not looking great for our two uh, new shows, the 8.30 and 9.30 shows that uh, joined, the, joined the party recently. Uh, they're already getting preempted by reruns. That's not a good hey, sign. Hey, just shoot me, is it? I remember I have good memories of Just Shoot Me and uh, was, well, Just Shoot year. Just Shoot Me was like a one week kind of like fill in show. It was uh, I know the the Michael Chiklis vehicle. I don't think is gonna gonna last for very long. But uh, this week's episode had twenty six point six million viewers tuning in. Uh, directed by Kevin Hooks, doing his one and only episode of the series that he would direct. Uh, other stuff of his that he has uh, directed include 24, Prison Break, and This Is Us. Uh, he seems like kind of a veteran TV director, has done at least one episode of a lot of different series. So if you look through his uh, filmography, I'm sure you're guaranteed to find something you recognize. Uh, and we love a good journeyman director yeah, in this household. You, you need those workhorse directors to come in and just, you know, do a good job. 
this week's episode is written by Neil Baer, doing his 17th out of 18. Previous ones of his from this season include Under Control and Humpty Dumpty. And uh, before we dive into this week's episode, uh, going to throw up a pretty big trigger warning, content warning, however you want to present it, uh, for sexual assault involving a child. So that is one of our through patients for this episode, and Malucci's main Malucci's main patient for the episode. So just be aware of that. Um, we'll call it out again before the episode, before the thing starts, but otherwise... Take care of yourself, and we'll see you next week. Your mental health is more important than listen than listening to our silly podcast. Um, but getting, getting to the episode proper, though, let's uh, open with our first audio clip. Mark is uh, this is uh, this will be John Collins' last episode, unfortunately, this week. So uh, let's open with him and Mark. Mark, Mark, I'm cold. All right, Dad, I'll get you a blanket. You got any sleep? You look awful. I'm fine. I need to turn up your oxygen, Dad. If you still have trouble breathing, I have to put you on a mask. No mask. We'll see. You ought to go back to work. Maybe later. I want to make sure you're comfortable. In that case, how about a drink? What? I've got a hankering for Bloody Mary. Your mother used to make them for brunch. I don't think that's such a good idea. Why? You think he's going to kill me? With or without Worcestershire? Without. But I'll take a dash of Tabasco. So many awful things go into Bloody Marys. Nope, just, you're wrong. Shut up. So many, so many awful things. Just give me a, just give me a, the biggest mimosa you have nope. in the world. We had a... Um... A place uh, in Anchorage that was uh, it specialized in grilled cheese. Like it was the, the place was called Bread mm-hmm. and Brew, and mm-hmm. it had all these like different specialty drinks and specialty grilled cheeses and stuff. And uh, when you ordered their Bloody Mary, it came with a grilled cheese sandwich through the spear, like in the Bloody Mary, and you could dip the Bloody yeah. Mary in the or dip the grilled cheese in the Bloody Mary. It was, oh, it was we so have good. we have a place like that here Cheesies. in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, it's called Cheeses. We'll take you there next time. Yes. That's, that's another one we haven't been to in a while, but I feel like that they would do something similar in their brunch brunch time extravaganzas. I, I love me a good Bloody Mary cuz that's one of those cocktails that I can still enjoy with or without vodka. Mhm. And it's my brand of disgusting, wonderful. I like I mess. like it. I'm just not very good at making it myself. Like anytime I make it myself, it's always nasty garbage. But if I get it from a bar, like a place that specializes in it, it's usually much better. Next time we go to Tweet, remind me to get one of their Bloody Marys version because they have some mean Bloody Marys there. Yeah. <laughs> Yum. So that's that's what we're taking away from this. Is John <laughs> exactly, has not the unrelenting sadness of the, impe- of the impending death of David. Yeah, David Green has divisive taste in drinks. Not at all the the sadness here. I mean, it's it's arguably the last real like David sass, sass yeah. moment. Like it's arguably the last little last little fleeting grasps of this uh, this like hellfire character that we've gotten to know and with love. A, with a shot of Tabasco. And honestly, yeah. If the dude's dying, just let him Give enjoy. Give him a drink. Yeah, right. let him enjoy it. And you can see Mark. Days. You can see Mark kind of be like, "Yeah, you got a point." Like you know, he's yeah. he's learned. Can't, can't get much worse. 
Um, but I have a little note here because, of course, I'm reading something as we're not literally as we're doing this, but I just finished rereading the sixth Dark Tower novel, and Stephen King uses the name John Cullum for one of his characters. Hey. I have to think it is after this actor. You would think so. Uh, then we go over to Carter working out in his room at Gamma's house, and Gamma asks him what the hell the noise is, because he has bought a full set of workout equipment. He bought it a few days ago, and he's sleeping like a baby. So good on Carter, using some exercise to help him sleep better. In theory, this is an okay habit. Mm-hmm. This is fine. Real disruptive for Gamma, though. And he goes, I f-, and they're talking about breakfast, and he goes, I feel like pancakes today. Gamma says, I think we can manage that. Like, can we just have a whole spin-off show of the two of them? <laughs> I just love Gamma. Especially when Carter's on drugs. <laughs> Ignore that part. <laughs> this no, this whole this whole episode is clear. Is it? I mean, I, I feel like it is just I definitely like think how... there's more to it than there was last time, for sure. Yeah. No, but like just how up he is uh-huh. and how springy he is you know what i mean like he's he's borderline manic at certain points like he's exactly like even more so than the old carter was did did we watch the same episode because i didn't get that at all i mean mean, i'm looking at it through the lens of i'm looking at it through the lens of i know that this dude is mainlining pain meds wherever he can get them which yeah we're in the hospital yeah and we're only two episodes away from it being to the point where he needs an intervention so like is that this close oh yeah that's that's the end of the season that's that's the finale so like why did i think it was like season seven yeah that's that's much less of a slow burn than you think like that that is way more of a they just kind of spring that on you especially now that we've been rewatching, i've been really shocked to see how uh relatively little time and energy they have put into establishing Carter's kind of spiral like he yeah he's had his like rough moments and he's mentioned he's had trouble sleeping and like there's there's been little drips and drabs of Carter's kind of like deteriorating condition after all in the family but they have not really spent the time on it that I was expecting them to I was expecting the the descent into drug addiction and you know needing an intervention I was expecting that to be much more of a slow burn and to be much more of like we're really going to tease this out and they've kind of just like dumped it in our laps here in the last two episodes of the season as a as a casual viewer with a fried brain um who remembers this is a much longer thing i'm gonna put in the old hardy anchorman i don't believe you i do believe (laughs) you but i don't believe you i mean i if i didn't know if i wasn't so sure that Mayday is the last episode of the season, yeah. I would be in the it same is. boat. I would be like, dude, this has got to stretch out for at least another half season. This is my Delamico. <laughs> There's been a lot. Where I'm there convinced. We go. There like, we go. Uh, but no, actually, I really like going back and like thinking about all of this. Like, I know we, what's, who's the writer we talked to? Was oh, like, pick, pick, one. pick one, pick yeah. one. But Lydia Carol Woodward, Carol, Lydia Carol. Woodward was the first one that was sort of like, you're giving us way too much credit here. Like we, yeah. I like to think, like, now having the prior knowledge of... you, I think it's more... I think it's more obvious personally, if not implicitly or explicitly, rather. Sure, yeah. And I think sure. I think having somebody like uh, Neil Bear writing this episode, who is, um, you know, part of the production team in, a, in addition to being a staff writer, like, he's part of the, like, larger discussions about creative arcs, I think you can lend a little bit more credence to the idea that they're really starting to push a little bit harder on the idea that he's struggling 
and it's manifesting itself in some not so great ways and when you have someone writing the episode who's been with carter since the beginning and knows yeah. the character it just dial it up um, up to like 12 yeah but uh but yeah that, that has definitely been one of the biggest surprises for me of the the last little stretch here has just been how uh not slow and and how not gradual the carter addiction arc starts like it is it is so very much like we go from just like yeah he's not sleeping great to like he needs an intervention today it's like it's a very very quick descent into that uh that scenario um and for the record half of watch is my delamico of the season of like this what this only comprises two episodes like what i was under the impression that this was going to be something i was going to have to deal with for the entire season and it's just really not um but in any event uh we go from there to carol in the lounge speaking of hathavach carol is in the lounge when luca pops in uh and he is very awkward which is a theme that will recur throughout this episode uh he's awkward about only getting her machine uh as he's i guess been trying to get a hold of her after their uh little lip lock at the end of last week's episode uh and he brought her some birthday flowers which uh she sort of like is taken aback at first is like how the fuck do you know it's my birthday and he like kind of creepily is like i have my ways it's like mm, that is not the romantic overture you think it is my dude like that is just kind of a creeper move in my opinion um he picked the flowers from his neighbor's garden and then goes in to try to kiss her again and i think she sort of is re- reciprocating but they get interrupted when uh connie bursts into the lounge to uh, grab kobach for an incoming gsw trauma uh and an excellent little uh look over the shoulder by connie as she's leaving the room uh she gives like just a quick little glance over her shoulder of just like did i see what i think i just saw and it's not not dwelled on but it's there uh and that takes us straight into the intro with bangs which there was some contention i believe that this one should have opened with with twinkles uh, i don't know i i could i could go either way on it i mean i think for the overall tone of the episode and where we go uh ultimately i think twinkles maybe could have been warranted but uh with this particular scene and this particular uh if there's ever a scene i wanted to slam the door shut on it would be this <laughs> one so i'm fine with bangs in this context okay uh well coming out of the intro carter's back into work um He's checking condos. He's checking on condos in Lincoln Park. You know, Mr. Moneybags over here to be able to afford property in Lincoln Park. Um, I think that I think that's the richest area in the city, if I'm not mistaken. Fucked if I know. I don't even know the neighborhoods. It's definitely like top five <laughs> to, richest neighborhoods in the city. To quote Lizzie in an earlier episode, "Bitch, I'm poor. I don't know." <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just know, like from in general, just like the little things I hear about it. Plus all the rich assholes when i worked in a at a store in lincoln park just uh that was uh, no thank you um but anyway uh yeah david says there's too many yuppies in the world and to which carter's like you know you're actually a yuppie <laughs> a young urban professional. i was gonna say i <laughs> young upcoming if i knew that that's what yuppie stood for i had forgotten because i was like wait yep. what that has a definite like a a, a yep. specific definition or a specific like it's an acronym uh, yep. If I did know that, I had completely blanked it out of my mind. Yeah. So, and what's it like? Carrie says, like, oh, no, he's not professional. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, he's not there yet or something like that. <laughs> but uh, Carter offers to cover Mark's shift uh, for Carrie. Uh, then we find out 
Carrie needs data for a meeting from Carol, and she left the request in Carol's box last week. She's like, what the fuck? You don't have it yet? And Carol's like, oh, I'll get it to you a couple hours before your meeting. You're fine. I'll get it to you. Okay, great. Um, and then Mark has made David some French toast, and oh my god, the makeup on Dave, David here, he's looking rough, my dudes. Matches my soul today. Holy shit. Shout out to the makeup department for this yes. episode. And um, David's like, okay, I'll have a nibble. And so like he eats a little bit just to appease Mark. And Mark injects him with some Toradol at home. Hey, that shit's excellent. I didn't say it wasn't. I know, but I'm just... But I feel like it's a much more controlled substance now. I mean, it always was, wasn't but it? But I'm just saying, like, Mark would not be able to take it home for his dad. Oh, yeah. No, probably. I don't prob- feel like. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely not. Yeah. It would have to be, like, a hospice physician or somebody else coming to the house. Right. It would, pro- it would probably, I feel like it would probably be under the similar auspices of, like, uh, the Ricky Abbott thing of, like, yeah. there would be a controlled uh, lockout yeah. system. You just wouldn't have a, a vial of it. Yeah. And, and again, Mark tries to get him to eat, and so they... They nibble on some French toast together. Uh, and then we go back to the uh, ER where uh, we get, I guess, our first trauma of the episode, sort of. Uh, this doesn't really go much of anywhere, but uh, Malucci and Abby are working on a patient who is struggling to breathe, and Dave applauds Abby's course of treatment so far. Our patient here, Mr. Reens. Uh, it was so hard to catch the name for me. Yeah, and he's, like I said, he's not really a patient we do very much with, but uh, nevertheless, Lauren whose films are those damn right uh had mr reens here uh has copd and they are going to intubate him and uh abby gets to try to do it for the first time and she gets to use their fancy new uh straight out of the early or late 90s early aughts technology uh airway cam it comes in on the big tv that you would watch uh fucking videos on when your teacher was hungover. uh they uh roll that thing in there and uh I'm pretty sure this scene exists solely so that they can use this tool, like so that they can show this off. I'm pretty sure that's the entire reason this scene is here. Then we go over to Corday who's working on a patient in, who puked blood and fainted at work. And why is she treating someone in the ER who's clearly not a surgical case? Or maybe they're, maybe she's being evaluated as a surgical case. Luca was handling I, kidney she, transplants two episodes ago. Like it's anarchy. Like you can do whatever you want in this hospital. Yeah. She, well, she stays treating him throughout the rest of the episode, even though it becomes apparent that she's not a surgical case. Um, but she doesn't want to discharge the woman yet until she's stable. And uh, she turns out this woman uh, is anorexic and bulimic. And Corday asks Lydia to help put a psych hold on the woman. And I want to note, there's several times in this episode where she says anorectic. Yeah. Not anorexic. Yeah, she says anor- anorectic and, and bulimic, which I also read to from several sources, but I would I would be, love to be corrected by like actual medical professional source uh, that those two conditions are contraindicated in terms of diagnosis. Like you can't diagnose somebody as anorexic and bulimic at the same time. Like oh. it's not they're kind of like contradictory, I guess. But that was th- yeah, because one's just not eating and one's binging and purging. Right. right. So like it's they're not really like yeah they're not really complementary <laughs> conditions that's fair uh, but i don't know so that was interesting they're both I, awful though yes yes they are um i learned that anorectic is another adjective equating to anorexic cool specifically for posh um, british surgeons yep but yeah no uh eating disorders are no joke guys please take care of yourselves uh go go see people like 
just just take care of yourselves, please. The shit's no joke. Just just gotta throw that out there because I've had some some very close people in my life almost pass from anorexia. So please please take care of yourselves. I love you. Um, but Carrie asked Luca if he's seen Carol. And he says, oh, it's her birthday. Maybe she's at Doc's with the nurses. Because Carrie's still looking for her data. Hmm. Um, Abby's trying the intubation. And Dave and Carter are both coaching her. She's like, oh, thanks. I had a good I had a good teacher. And then she looks over at Carter. And you can tell she's looking at Carter because this fucking camera is still on her head. Um, do we think they're setting up Abby and Carter this early? I don't know. It's hard. For, yeah. It's... I, I, I'm sure they're like explore. I mean, Abby's the shiny new toy at this point, yeah. like for the writers. So I'm sure that they're at least exploring the idea the same way they did with Lucy. You know, like it's like, ah, well, these two people are conventionally attractive. Might as well give it a shot. Like that's <laughs> kind of the attitude. I think they're, I don't think they have any like firm plans yet, but I definitely think that they're at least testing the water of seeing what they look like on screen together. I mean, gotcha. it's true. Mortierney is a beautiful is a beautiful woman. She's fine. Uh, David is wheezy again. He says the Toradol worked great for his chest pain, though. He's doing great. Um, Mark then drops his vial of antibiotics, and it shatters, and he cuts his hand pretty bad, trying to pick it up just barehanded, but he won't go into the hospital for stitches because he doesn't want to leave David alone. I went. I watched this episode with uh, Nurse Jen, and she went on a quite impassioned rant about him dropping the antibiotics and shattering about how he needed a quote fucking nurse and that's why doctors are useless and can't do anything without nurses and like <laughs> she's, she's right. like that's why you need a fucking nurse you idiot we love nurse jen now we go over to uh benton who's checking out who's checking out a patient named mr fulton uh gentleman has poor circulation in his leg but and his toe is uh it's gangrenous um he was in a month ago, and they just gave him ointment for an open sore that never really that never really healed, and now he's facing a below the knee amputation. And uh, turns out, Doctor Kovach was the one who originally treated him. Rut row. And uh, Mr. Fulton is, here is played. We have Mr. Fulton and his son here. Uh, Mr. Mm-hmm. Fulton is played by actor Lincoln Fitzpatrick, who appeared in stuff like The Omega Man, Fortress, and Soylent Green. Uh, and he passed away in uh, 2004. Uh, and the son is played by actor David Harris, who appeared in stuff like The Warriors, Fatal Beauty, and Dead End City. Uh, and uh, we go from there. We find Lizzie is going over to Mark's to uh, help stitch him up. More on that in a bit. Uh, back at the ER, Carrie never got the data from Carol, so she had to postpone her meeting. And so she kind of confronts Carol about this and is talking about how she can't afford to have things fall through the cracks and Carol needs to speak up and give up some of her extra duties if she can't handle it and yada 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 so Carol's having a real one this episode uh and Mm -hmm. uh as real as it gets it's about to get even realer because she gets a present from Doug a giant box full of animal crackers this is a dream gift, even without the inside <laughs> joke. This is, like, all I want in my life. Just, I, I love those little boxes. I, I just fucking love animal crackers. They're pretty good. Do they make the, the little re- red boxes, like, the ones you see, the classic style? So. Like, the only ones I've seen in recent years are the, like, giant plastic jugs of, of uh, animal I've all, crackers. I've seen them, like, in normal-sized boxes at Target yeah. and Jewel and whatever. But... I, I will say they are excellent to dip in your coffee. Mm. It's life-changing. I mean, I wouldn't knock it till I try it. Uh, but yeah, so I will. Giant, well, you're fucking wrong. Giant box of animal crackers. Not not a bad gift. 
Uh, so, uh, but we go from there. We find out that Carter has grabbed a bunch of the patients from the board, and Dave is a little frustrated that there's not much for him to take. All right, I take back my earlier argument now that I'm remembering this episode. Yeah, Carter's on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I rescind my previous statement. I rescind my argument. It's been a few days since we watched this. Yeah, Carter's on drugs. Sorry, guys, my bad. Just a little tiny bit manic, you know. We've all been there. Uh, I've what? I've never done a. Have I've you never cut together an entire compilation of Clooney chuckles that you know took most of an evening? No, never. Uh, couldn't be me. Uh, he takes a <laughs> Malucci, that is, takes a wound check. Hi, Mary. <laughs> takes a wound check patient, uh, but then his uh, patient stops breathing, so he has to pass off the guy to Chen, who then has to take a peds trauma. So, wound check guy does not get seen. This is important for a little bit later. Uh, and our wound check guy here is played by actor Brian Tarantina, who appeared in stuff like Summer of Sam. The Sopranos and is our first of two Uncle Buck alumni in this episode. We will get a second one a little bit later. Uh, fucking love that movie. Great movie. Um, and uh, unfortunately, Brian here did pass away in 2019, so he's no longer with us. Specialized in playing also, scumbags and things. He was pretty much always yeah. a scumbag and things. Also, random reminder that uh, Onspa passed away oh yeah i guess now now yeah. is probably he doesn't appear in this episode so i wasn't like you know in a hurry to say anything about it but we we should yeah. say something given the fact that uh this is the first recording we are doing post uh john aylward passing away at age 75 uh shout out to anspa love that dude it also kind of the whole thing was very kind of surreal just because there wasn't really like a confirmation on it for a while for like a day or two yeah, yeah. It, it took a little while but it was like it was one of those things where you could tell he was like kind of an actor's actor kind of guy because there were lots and mm -hmm. lots of tributes of people being like they had worked with him in a show like 30 years ago and you know he was mm -hmm. still like their favorite guy or like critics and stuff that were like yeah i, I said that he gave a like not even it didn't even it wasn't like a bad performance but just like a like okay performance in something and it was like and they had like a it wasn't like a confrontation but just like a like gruff conversation and then they would just hang out together at bars and talk shit about other plays <laughs> like that was their whole relationship was this critic and john aylward like he certainly seemed like a guy who made a, a big impression on uh, a lot of people's lives especially in the theater and, yeah. and film and tv world and i mean i mean and i think up i feel like i saw him uh somebody in one of the er groups posted last year sometime that he had done a guest spot on that show Yellowstone. So, I mean, the guy was working like right up until just before he yeah. died, you know? So you, I don't feel like you have a career that's that long and that kind of diverse without, uh, being kind of a special actor and a special guy. So, so RIP. And that happy note, let's go over to another happy note. A mm. uh, little boy is seizing <laughs> Lauren's favorites, uh, young, Young boy's name is Kenny. Uh, he has no history of seizures and he had a little bit of a fever, but he, and he didn't eat breakfast. And Lauren and I both got so mad at Chen for holding his head in place. Which, okay, healthcare professionals that listen to us, please go to our corrections department or Facebook or whatever and correct us if we're wrong. But my understanding as a person with epilepsy is you're never supposed to restrain a person's body in any way. And her holding his head like this 
could have endangered some like dislocation. The, the, yeah, Lauren has taught me that's just supposed to be like in a comfort in like a comfortable spot so they won't hurt themselves, or but choke. like just let them do. Their thing. And I feel like though, it, a lot of it could be dependent on time, timing, time frame. You know, like I feel yeah. like because there was, I mean, even just in the history of this show, like early on, early yeah. seasons, we still heard them calling for bite blocks and shit. Like, so I feel like there could be just maybe that was coming out of fashion or coming out of, of uh, guidance at that point. Yeah. It's, it's so funny though, that, that this came up. Cause I was like, now that we're going back to the office, part of my job in a way has been like all my little office buddies that are, that sit near me. I'm like, Hey guys, just a reminder. I do have epilepsy. My first aid list is here. My necklace is here. Like having to go through that whole diatribe again has just been like, Oh Yeah. Mm. It matters that I'm disabled. <laughs> Did so that just just this just I was like ah my neck hurt just watching. Did you have a uh, a grade for young Kenny as he's coming in the door here on his quality of seizure acting? So I I actually didn't think this one was too bad, and I do have to give you know child like this is the only spot I'll give child <laughs> actors a pass because I was like I was wondering how they how they direct a child actor on how to do this. Cause like an adult actor, you assume they've seen like one or two, at least pantomime right. seizures and they kind of have an idea. But for this, it's like, what, what direction do you give a child? Mm-hmm. I think it might be easy enough just to show the child. Like, but like, and even if it's just footage from an, an old one on the show, mm-hmm. be like, Hey, here's what we're going for. Mm-hmm. Do this. Ugh, I just, no, like, I'm good. But no, his, from what I recall, again, I apparently don't remember anything about this episode that we just watched a few days ago, but I don't remember this one being inherently offensive in the portrayal. I was more mad at Jen. Yeah. I, I, I obviously am no expert at all, but I do sort of feel like through listening to your criticisms of things, I feel like I've gotten a more discerning eye for what is and isn't a good fake seizure on, on screen. And I remember thinking when I was watching, I was like, I think that me, Armchair expert on fake epileptic seizures on television think that this is pretty above average for a child actor. This gets a, this gets a pass. One, okay, so off off tangent for a second, and then I will go back. The best one that I have seen so far, in my mind, and again, fellow listeners with epilepsy, correct me if you think I'm way off left field on this, but Gwyneth Paltrow in Contagion. Yes. Lizzie has told me that that's almost exactly how mine looked. Mm-hmm. So, like, way less rapid movement. It's much more of a rolling kind of hmm. smooth muscle tremor. I, either way, just, like, when I think of a, quote, good seizure, I hate that I have to even say sure. that, but when I think of, quote, a good fake seizure, hers is much closer to what my reality is compared to, like, the pantomime it's, that people will do where they're, like... It's less of a good yeah. fake seizure than it is an accurate portrayal of the condition. Yeah. Like it's of my experiences, right. at least. Now, granted... I don't watch a lot of videos of actual people with seizures having them because it's very triggering for me. And because that would be super weird to just pull up an epilepsy compilation on YouTube. That would be a weird thing to do on a Friday night. I understand... I understand doing it for like exposure therapy for, for like someone like me where it's like the idea of it is so horrifying. Yeah. And there's also educational purposes to stuff like that. Yeah. That some people like as they're learning... You know, th- there are educational YouTube videos or, like, people upload their seizure diaries to make it more accessible and humane mm. that real people are having it. So, like, I could very well access videos of real people having them. 
I just choose not to because I'm I think about it enough. I'm fine. If you ever want me to take the, take that bullet for you, I'd be more than happy to do do more research. I if you I feel like that would almost be as triggering for you as for me, but if you wanted to one day, go for it. Um, but back to the episode. I'm so sorry for that tangent, you guys. Um, Benton confronts Luca about Chet Fulton and his foot, and it turns out Luca did make the follow-up appointment for him in the vascular clinic, and he was like, yeah, I made the appointment for him. I, you know, I, he would have been on their call list. Like, I did what I was supposed to do, and Benton is pissed that he didn't do any additional follow-up because black men in underserved communities are a much higher risk of not following through on these kinds of appointments through no fault of their own necessarily. But Benton's like, I guess you didn't realize like that emergency medicine was more than just, you know, surfing and turfing and treating and streeting. I'm so excited for seafood next week. I am on vacation mode. Um, this was, uh, but yeah, th- this was another uh, Nurse Jen critique. Uh, ner- oh, I cannot ner- wait. Go Nurse for it. Jen, believe it or not, was a hundred and ten percent Team Luca in this situation. That doesn't really? surprise me. Nurse Jen was like, as soon as Benton said the line, she that he was like, uh, emergency medicine is a lot more than just treating and treating. Jen immediately piped up and was like, no, it's not. Like she was like, <laughs> she was like. It's literally, that's literally what it's there for. Like she was like, emergency medicine is you come in the door dying and you leave the door not. That's all emergency medicine is. Anything beyond that is a specialist or a, or admitted to the hospital itself or primary care physician. Like she was like, our whole existence is predicated on the idea of you come in the door in some level of distress and you either leave, you know, not that way or you don't leave like the, the, there's no other like she's like there's no other you know uh i'm trying to think of what the word is but like there, there's no other purpose for right. emergency medicine other Function. than other than to just get you stable enough to get you to another service or to get you healthy enough that you can walk out the door under your own power you know like it's yeah. not your it's not the emergency medicine staff's job to follow up with every patient no matter how high risk they are like at a certain there's just not enough resource allocation to be able to do that especially in a place like county there's no way they're gonna have the resources to do that and that's not like the attending's job yeah i'm sure lucas seen hundreds of patients since then maybe maybe admit if they want to throw it on anybody but that would not be luca's responsibility to do that no also there is there is an episode um way down the line that we were just watching yesterday where Moretti has a really good speech about the function of emergency medicine and the history of it and I'm very excited to get there. Tucci gang. Tucci gang. As much as we hate Moretti for other reasons. <laughs> Shout out to our new T-shirt design, Maluchi gang. Got to get the plug in there. Got to get the plug in. I'm I'm so excited for those designs to go up. But um yeah, then Carrie comes in to check on Kenny. He's been seizing for goddamn thirty fucking minutes. Uh, um, he has Seems low. Like a lot. Yeah, that's for for reference, you guys. If you're seizing longer than two minutes, you call nine one one. Two five. Uh, you said you've said three in the past to me. Okay, so point is happy to narrow it down to two, but no, don't, because I don't want you to call in the paramedics if you don't have to. Point is, this is much longer than you need to be seizing before you get intervention. So thirty minutes is not good. Um, and. Carrie says his brain can't tolerate another seizure, which is true. There is status epilepticus. It is not good. Um, don't. Just, nope. Not great. And uh, she has Chen get a CT and an EEG while they continue to try and figure out what's going on with Kenny that caused this. 
Woof. Not a great episode this week, you guys. I fucking hate it. Uh, I mean, it was a pretty good episode, but it's just... Well, good, it's, good episode, but for me... Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's it can be a rough go sometimes. Uh, speaking of rough goes, uh, Carers, uh, Carol, I almost said Carol's, like K-E-R-O-L-S. I combined the two. There's their ship name. Um, one of Carol's patients, uh, Carol's normal one continues here, uh, as Carrie sees one of Carol's patients in need of an IV bag. And uh, she asked Carol about why the IV ran dry. And Carol, you can just tell at this point, like if, if Carter's on drugs, Carol is headed for a breakdown. Like they're, they're like they're like two ships passing in the night. Like <laughs> Carter's on the manic train and Carol's on the like, I would like to do what the guy next in the next scene is about to do. Like she's just having a real bad day and everything is uh, not going her way. Also, maybe uh, I've just had Shea nurses in the, in the ERs that I visited, but like my IV usually goes dry and it's not changed out right away or not unplugged right away. Or... I think a lot of it has to do with your uh, uh, your status, your your triage yeah. level. You know, if you're a low level triage, then they'll get to it when they fucking get to it. There's a guy down yeah. the hall dying. You know, they just need me to be hydrated. And that's right, the mission accomplished. Yeah, uh, but it's just one more thing to add to the pile for Carol's shitty day here. Uh, but we go from there to our next trauma. A 45-year-old guy tried to cross the L tracks uh, and got booped. Got booped by the L. And uh, well, he didn't get knocked. He got knocked down but not run over. It's He's okay, sort of. Uh, the <laughs> the wound check guy is still complaining that he hasn't been seen yet. Uh, but, of course, they are more concerned about this guy who, uh, you know, like I said, he got booped by the L. Needs, uh, needs more help. Uh, they need to do a central line on him. And while they're in the middle of the trauma, uh, they discover from Doris that, uh, uh-oh, wound check patient guy stole her rig. Let, Neat. let the wackety schmackety commence. See, we start here, and then someone steals a tank to try to kill Morris later on. So Jesus it, just, it, go, it only goes up from here. If you ever, also, <laughs> what a what a fucking like what a dichotomy to draw between like mid season prime era ER to like lit shit post like last couple seasons ER <laughs> writer strike ER. Also, oh my god, we're only seventeen minutes into this episode. Yeah. So let's go to our next audio clip here. Uh, Mark and or Corday is suturing up Mark's hand. You're good at this. Thank you. Well, you did the sub-Q layer. Hardly need to close the skin. That's the point. Is he giving you a hard time over there? No, David. He's being a very good patient. Okay. We'll remove those in five days. Shouldn't leave a scar. Thanks. Keep it dry for two days and put a plastic bag around your hand when you take a shower. I know. I know you know. It looks like he's having difficulty breathing. I think I should give him another treatment. I can't breathe, but I can still hear every word you say. Can I make you some lunch? I'm not hungry. But stay. Let's have some tea. I like that. Huh. Just sadness. I love it. I can't breathe, but I can still fucking hear you. <laughs> I'm still here. Uh, Lizzie and David. What a pair. Like, just give me more. Give me another season's worth of that, please. 
it would have been nice but yeah just just everyone i like that everyone is accepting the situation and mark's not turning into one of those people that we that occasionally comes to the yard ER it's like no we gotta do absolutely everything to save this man i don't care about his wishes i'm his power of attorney fuck uh, fuck what his will says put a tube in his throat or whatever break his damn ribs put a tube in his throat let's go yeah, yeah. i'm just very happy that even if it's not the exact end that david wanted that he was getting at least as much of a graceful end as he possibly can. Mm-hmm. Totally fair. Um, also, just again, their their friendship, David and Lizzie. I just wish we could have had so much more. Of I it know because they have the best chemistry. Um, but Luca is checking on Carter and Dave's L patient. Dave thinks they should check the belly. Carter thinks it's fluid around the heart. They do a pleural effusion around the heart. Turns out it's fluid around the heart. Good job, Carter. Cool. Um, Chen gives Carrie an update on findings for Kenny. He has, I believe it was MCAD, which is a genetic disorder, a metabolic genetic disorder, which we'll learn a little bit more about. A very later rare on. one, specifically. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's go to our, our next audio clip here. Uh, Carrie's Carrie is checking on Carol. Hey, doing? Okay. Look, uh, I'm sorry I came down so hard on you, but. I depend on you. You're right. I need to be more on top of things. Carol, you're the best nurse here, but something's going on with you. Is there anything that I can do to help? Not really. I just need some time to figure a few things out. I've worked with you for five years. I know you. I hate my life. I mean, I, I love my work, and I love my daughters, but how did I end up raising twins by myself? It's just... You know, I think you need some time. I think that you have some sick days. Used them all up. If you check, I believe you'll find you have some extras, which you can use whenever you like. This is how we know that's fiction. <laughs> no boss would fucking say that. Yeah. Just here, here's some magic time off that's just gonna be in your. In oh, your I, chart. I, I took, I took that as uh, Carrie was donating hers to Carol because Carrie, okay. Carrie's a sociopath who never takes a sick day. Uh, yeah, but let me also say, I don't, I don't think there's many places you can actually do that. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I, I can't remember what it was i can't remember if it was something my dad who works in a hospital uh talked about or maybe a place that i worked i I do feel like i have heard of this before being able to donate time to somebody it's one of those like awful dystopian capitalism things where they like Mm -hmm. they they like oh all these people donated or pitched in and donated their pto to this person so they could have this totally routine medical procedure that was going to keep them out of work for a month you know and otherwise they'd be on the street you know destitute have i mentioned i hate it here uh but yeah no i just this is the suspension of disbelief aside this is good carry shit though this This is is, this is excellent carry shit pete carry shit and and also good carol shit too like it's it's like carol shows some signs of life as a character like we finally it's like oh good you are awake like (laughs) (laughs) 
Like she has, Hello there. <laughs> that's such a good way to put it. Oh, hi, emotions. Right. Like she hasn't done shit since she gave birth to these girls. Like we haven't seen any ounce of emotion out of her the whole season. And that's not again. This is not Juliana Margulies' fault. Like you know, it's it's just it is what it is. You know, like she she's a square peg in a round hole at this point, and it's it's just time for her to go, and that's fine. But and she's gonna get her happy ending next episode, so everything's great. But it's just nice to remember, like, and I also like too. I also like when we get a little bit of like reminder of shared history too. Like she's mm-hmm. like, we've worked together for five years. Like, and it's like, oh yeah, they don't beat you over the head with that stuff most of the time. But it's nice when they do sort of take the time to mention of be like, oh yeah, these characters do have like a lot, even if they don't spend a ton of time on screen together. They clearly have a lot of shared history just by virtue of kind of orbiting the same places for the last five years. Mm. But uh, so we go from there uh, to Kenny's parents who are uh, understandably nervous that he hasn't woken up. This is the first time we're really getting a good look and a good uh, feel for Kenny's parents, both of whom are kind of a little bit of oh, hey, it's that people. Uh, We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, His uh, disorder that they've uh, diagnosed him with means that he does not convert fat into energy, uh, which... uh, puts him at higher risk for low blood sugar. Uh, And so they don't test for the disorder at County, but they do at some others uh, in some other States. Uh, I guess the implication being that County doesn't have the funding for it. Uh, And the parents are insistent on like being told by Chen, like, is there anything we could have done to prevent this? And she kind of reluctantly tells them that uh, they could have given him sugar water when he first got sick uh, to prevent the seizure. Um, so pretty, pretty rough stuff here. Uh, but our parents, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Latimer, Mr. Latimer is played by actor Christopher Wheel, who appeared in the delightfully trashy ESPN football, uh, melodrama from the early aughts playmakers, which is just a, Oh boy, Lizzie. I think I still have this show on DVD just as like a weird time capsule thing. I may have to send this to you to show it to you of what a weird fucking time capsule it is of early aughts. Early aughts ESPN trying to dip its toe into actual like fictional programming. They made this like they made this like quasi HBO, but we're not allowed to curse and we're not allowed to show titties. Uh, like HBO kind of hard hitting drama thing where like, and he so this guy Christopher Wheel he plays the quarterback on the show of this fictional NFL team, and uh, he. Like it has all of the hot button issues. It has like steroids. It has abortion. It has like you name a fucking hot button, hot uh, topic issue. Drugs, all of it. Uh, it's in there. It's just delightfully trashy. Uh, only lasted one season before the NFL got real fucking pissed and told him to knock it off. Uh, well, <laughs> this man is also was also in one of my favorite shows of all time, Jericho, which I will not shut up about. All right, plays, uh, there it is, Roger. Uh, but he also appeared in stuff like CSI and Bull. And Mrs. Latimer here is played by actress Bonnie Turpin, who appeared in the Britney Spears film. Uh, remember, that was a thing. Crossroads, uh, as well as Malcolm X oh God, and yes. Cold Case. I saw that movie in theaters. I don't know Ooh. why. Ouch. I think I got dragged with a cousin who was like, it was one of those things where it was like, take your cousin to the movies kind of thing. And she wanted to see Crossroads. And that's... Yeah, that was a choice. <laughs> a as, as someone who was the demographic for that movie, I'm keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you should tell us what happens next. Uh, wound check guy um, has is coming back to the ER because he got flagged by some sick people and is bringing them in with the rig because he was on his way to Mercy, but 
he saw these people and they just would not stop puking. So he's being a good Samaritan and bringing them in. Um, yeah, by stealing an ambulance. <laughs> and then bringing, and then using it to transport sick people. He's doing fine. Um, but then we go over to a much more sad scene. Lizzie is has to go back to the hospital and she's bidding farewell to David, knowing it's probably going to be the last time. But before she goes, he gives her a necklace of pearls that belong to Ruth. And it's very sweet. And she, at first, you know, she does the polite thing of, oh, God, I can't take these. But then it's a man's dying wish. So she has Mark help or She goes to put them on. And David's like, fucking help her out. <laughs> and Mark Mark helps her put the necklaces on, yeah. and she's lo- she's lovely, and it's lovely, and oh my god, I love everything. You're absolutely right. That's the the Bloody Mary thing is not the last uh, David Sass thing. The last this the last is... David Sass thing is him going, don't just stand there, put help her. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's such a sweet moment for all three of them. Yes. Then uh, Chen is in the lounge when Romano refers to her her, her as Jing instead of Jing Mei. Yeah. Way to go, Romano. Uh, she says that they need to screen for more metabolic disorders like young Kenny's. Uh, Romano says that they have to draw the line somewhere because they only have, again, it's a monetary thing. Like we anticipated mm. it would be earlier. Yeah. Precious resources. Which, like, I'm of two minds about. Like, somebody has to be the heavy in those situations. Like, there always has to be somebody who is the, like, the unfortunate soul who has to keep track of that shit. But at the same time, like, they also point out that the test itself costs, like, $20 or something. Like, it's, like, a, it's it's a pretty nominal amount of money, which I know, you know, thousands of babies born every year and yada, yada, yada. Like, I get it. It would add up. But I get Chen's frustration here, too, of, like, this is such a, like, nothing test. Like, it costs so little, and it could potentially prevent situations like this. And she's being told, like, nope, can't swing it. Sorry. Like, it's just, it's got to be frustrating. Yep. Uh, but our, our rig gets brought back in with the sick folks, uh, and they also bring in a dad and daughter that were rear-ended at a red light. Uh, so here's your trigger warning, Here's folks, your trigger warning. Uh, for your sexual assault involving a child. Yeah. Bubbly. Uh, Psych is removing the hold for Claire. Remember her? Uh, mm-hmm. that, that was a thing that was going on, like, 20 minutes ago in this episode that we've completely drop the thread on uh and uh dr durad is the uh attending checking in on claire here and him and lizzie are doing a little walk and talk here where he says you know lots of people do bad things to themselves but we don't lock them up for it uh i mean he's kind of he has a little bit of a point like i again i see i see where lizzie's coming from too but and lizzie does definitely kind of overstep her boundaries a little bit later uh but at this point too i'm like "Eh, he's kind of right like like she's over 18 she can do what she wants it sucks but like there's not really much that i think lizzie can do about it um if lizzie can convince her to stay uh, they will admit her to psych so there's at least some hope for lizzie here all right now let's go to our next audio clip where the sadness continues uh mark is giving david a bath is the water too warm dad no where's elizabeth she left a couple of hours ago. Dad, you have to go to work. No, Dad. I'm going to stay right here. Okay, here. Right back. Oh. Having any pain? No. No. Okay. 
Yeah. You look tired. What, what is that soap? Plain old ivory. That's what your mother used. Remember. Every night when she would tuck me in, she'd give me a kiss and I could smell the soap on her face. This used to be my job. What's that? Giving you a bath when you were a baby. I didn't know that. You're a good doctor. The day you became a doctor was the proudest day of my life. It's okay, Dad. You don't have to talk. I love you, Mark. I love you too, Dad. Lauren, why are you cutting onions in here? So I'm. I, say the nice things first before I say the one comment I have to say about this scene. Uh, ten out of ten. No notes acting from John. I was gonna Palmer. say, yeah. What? How? How can you really analyze that beyond just what is there? Like, dude is great and how many how it's many different ways can we say it yeah it's an absolutely beautiful scene i think is that the last time we actually hear yes. john Holmes' mm-hmm. voice on the it's show last time we hear him speak it's last time we see him awake like it's yep. next time we see him he'll be gone he'll already be gone so and again shout out to the makeup makeup department whatever whoever handles that he yeah wow. again i would like to point out still <laughs> Knock on wood, three weeks from the future. Still alive. Like, dude is still with us. And, like, yeah. they make him look here like he's already kind of dead. Like, they've, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really impressive. Mm-hmm. He's great. All right. Oh, boy. Lauren, bring us, bring, bring bring us, us down. down. Mark, Mark's, Mark's I love you, Dad, just fucking ruins it for me. He, he, he just, he, I don't like the way he delivers it. So I said, Mark, that's why I said, John Paul, <laughs> <laughs> not, not in But I'm just saying, Anthony Edwards, 9 out of 10, some notes. Yeah. Uh, 7 out of it's 10, a little, some notes. It's that... a little sing-songy and a little, like... He he does it too slow. Yeah. It's like, I, always... I love you too, I get Dad. I get what he was going for, but, like, yeah, he might have, like, just kind of stretched I it. I know I think it's no, fine. Hey, we... I think it's fine. I want it before... I'm trying to get ahead of the comment section here. Like, it's... <laughs> I think it's fine. Like, I think it is fine tm uh, to me it goes he goes from talking to his dad like he's a normal person like just has all his faculties to the way he delivers that last line it sounds to me like how somebody's talking to a parent or grandparent with dementia low and slow and go ahead i see it as that the fact that his dad When's, when is the last time his dad said that he loved mark mm-hmm. so i think it's part of like the shock of actually hearing that and also right. like the joy and, of hearing that and just all the emotions that are going on right would overload Con- one's brain. contrasting to the verbal aspects uh, of the performance with the facial acting 
like he he gives great face in this scene. <laughs> like dude is mm-hmm. like he the like the the shock and the awe and the absolution every emotion that crosses his face when he hears those words for who knows how fucking long I mean who knows when the last time was he if he if he's ever heard those words come out of his father's yeah. mouth in his direction like and he just got like just before I mean it was a total like hit him with the left come back with the right of you know he t- finally tells him that he's proud of him for being a doctor and how he's you know always been proud of him and like he's getting everything he's ever wanted from his dad um that like I, d- I just feel like there was maybe a better way to go about it from a writing standpoint of like it's just too like I don't even know what the word is it's he sounds like a boy scout or something like he just like it's too it's too much yeah, it's too sing-songy it's a little too saccharine and if I'm being honest towards the end of the episode because part of it is that he's also like kind of choking up as he says it getting spoilers for the end of the episode Anthony Edwards isn't a great fake crier like he's he's <laughs> not really that's not really like chief among his repertoire of great acting ability like he's fine it's fine but... but like it's just not his like a game like it's it's you know third or fourth in his arsenal of moves so like it's the like fake crying on top of the the drawn out dialogue it just it, it a little leaves a little something it to doesn't be it doesn't quite hit for yeah I, I i could see John... that i honestly was thinking that and i wasn't gonna bring it up because i expected oh, I, will. I expected the two of you of to to be like oh this was perfect and like nope. I didn't want to be the like one shitting on it, so like the, now that I have La- oh, I now will. that I have Lauren for a safety net, I'll be I'll be right there with her and be like, it, it was you know it was a, it was just John, okay. John Cullum, perfect, no notes. Like yeah. as he said, ten out of ten. Uh, Anthony Edwards kind of pulled me out of it a little bit, but just that last line though. Just just, just everything up until that last line, I think he's matching John Cullum like word for word. Yeah. And it's just those last three words where I'm just like, I would have maybe done another take. Like, I would have maybe been uh, like, hey, hey, Tony, let's maybe try it, but without the weird breathy pauses in between. We're we're going to make Lizzie cry more than this scene did <laughs> if we keep going. Uh, this excuse me, that's five words. So anyway. Whatever. Uh, let's go into more sadness. She's let's the pedantic one, not you. Let's go into more sadness because it only gets worse from here. Listeners. Trigger warning again. This is your last chance to get out of this episode because it's about to get real fucking dark. Jesus. Yeah. So we we warned you at the beginning. We gave you another little warning about three three hours ago when we talked about the uh, ambulance <laughs> coming in. Uh, get out now if you really are going to be bothered by this um by this sexual assault case. So Dave is working on Shelly, who is the little girl from the car accident. While Carter and Abby are relocating the dad's leg, um, Cleo shows up to check on Shelly. She has, I believe she has Dave put working on putting a gown on her so mm-hmm. they can do a better exam. Yeah. And as Dave's helping, like, getting her changed, he finds bruises on her thighs and bloody underpants. <sighs> and they're like, oh, well, maybe it's from, you know, the accident because they were rear-ended. Maybe the seatbelt hit something and, like caused some trauma but they they do a cursory exam and there's no pelvic fracture and dave is horrified he already suspects what's going on and he does such a good job connecting with this little girl Mm -hmm. and asking her the right questions in like just like eric paladino oh my god i want to if we ever get to talk to him i want to applaud him for how well he acts with kids because this was so 
good. What? This might be my favorite scene of his so far in in the show. I'm I, I'm like when I'm with I'm like Daniel. I am waiting for the bad. I know. Right. What are they gonna do like, to him next season? That I that has exactly. left such a sour taste in my mouth with this character, where I'm just like, yeah, fuck Malucci. That, because, I know they give him Justin Timberlake because hair, this. But, that's but like, I have this that. whole season has been a delight. Honestly, now that we're kind of coming into the home stretch of season six, like. I have like like Lizzie said earlier, ten out of ten, no notes. Like he's been great yeah. the whole he's season. So good here, and I've, I, I, so clearly something beyond. And, and I'm hoping that it's not just his last moment. Like I'm hoping that right. it's not just that last thing that I've really wrote off an entire character based on you know one moment at his lowest point. But like, there's got to be something. There has to be something where I've I've completely written this character off because yeah. this whole season he's whole been wonderful. Season to be proven wrong. Yeah whole season so who the fuck knows anymore <laughs> yeah so he um we find out from him asking questions i'm not gonna go into what those questions are um but we find out fuck her dad has assaulted her <sighs> and it's been a regular seems to be a regular happenstance Ongoing. with the way the girl yes thank you with the way the girl answers those questions and the score here shout out to martin is so fucking good like mm. just like that dread that's my as, my, it, as he asked the questions and my man doing best work so good but uh dave then pulls a um doug ross and goes and beats the shit out of the dad can't say i blame can't him can't say it. yeah yeah i was gonna say exactly that can't say i blame him kind of you can say whatever oh it's unprofessional whatever oh yeah 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 no there's if you're gonna molest your own daughter, you deserve to get have the shit, ever-loving shit beat out of you until you're dead. Good God. Well, well, there it is. Like, I'm generally not an advocate for the death penalty, but yeah, special place in hell. Special place in hell for <sighs> folks who do that. Hey. Oh boy. Well, <laughs> now seems like it's great and totally not tone deaf time to bring up uh, who is playing the dad here. <laughs> 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 Who's getting his uh, ass kicked? Mr. Burke here is played by actor Jay Underwood, who much like earlier when we had our other uh, Uncle Buck alumni, like I said that that guy had sort of like a, a a type of playing scumbag characters and things. This guy has a, a a type of playing like little weaselly fuckers who you want to see get their ass kicked in things. Um, kind of in similar uh, circumstances, especially if uh, his uh, his role in Uncle Buck is uh, any indication. Uh, but uh, Mr. Burke here is played by actor Jay Underwood, who appeared in stuff like The Boy Who Could Fly, Not Quite Human, and the previously mentioned Uncle Buck, uh, where he played uh, the oldest daughter's uh, sleazy scumbag boyfriend who kind of starts to – he's going to sexually assault her before John Candy breaks the door down with a chainsaw or something. Like That movie gets real crazy and weird, and I love it. It's a real fucking fun time. Uh, R.I.P. John Candy. Love that guy. Uh, speaking of actors who should have lived long enough to make it onto ER, holy shit, can we get a fucking uh, heartbreaker two-part episode with John Candy? Thank you, yes, please. Holy shit, that would have been wonderful. In our uh, dreams, we can. But yeah, Mr. Burke, Jay Underwood. Uh, but we go from there out to the hallway where Carter is talking Dave down off the ledge, uh, tells him that he needs to just go call social services and get Cleo to do a pelvic and uh, really still excellent work here from Dave with just the ice cold of like, I'm going to assist on Cleo's pelvic like and Carter kind of just like under reads the room a little bit and it's like, OK, sure. Like just kind of lets him lets him have it. Um, we go over to Luca and Carol working on an older woman. 
and uh, he, you know, says here that Carrie should cut her some slack and asks again if she has any plans to celebrate and offers to cook her birthday dinner. And it's awkward. Like this whole thing with him is just awkward because you can just sort of tell that Carol is like got one foot out the door to Seattle and it's just, uh, it's like when you've kind of been flirting with somebody and then you realize you're not actually that into them, but you like them enough that you don't want to hurt their feelings. So it's like, Oh, Oh God, I, how do I undo this without ghosting? Wow. Lauren, thanks for the female perspective on that whole interaction (laughs) on that whole dynamic right there. I've never been on that side of the equation. I'm always the I can't, I'm the I'm the one that they're like going like oh he's nice I don't want to ghost him you know but that's I'm always on the other pre- side of that. <laughs> Even pre-transition I was on that side of it a couple times. I can't tell if you're kidding or not, Daniel. Oh no, so. I'm us- I'm definitely usually the Luca in this situation. I am usually the one you know, but this is of course you know in. Well, I will say this: I have only been the Carol in this situation once. So, but it was once enough that I learned like, oh shit, like. Still waiting for Lauren to let me down easy, folks. Ten, <laughs> over 10 years. Nah, I think you're probably okay. But yeah, like this, nah. I think. I put a ring on it. That's fair. I think this episode is where I developed my sort of like aversion to Hathovach as a pairing. Like, I think this is the episode that is just so viscerally uncomfortable. Which. That I'm like, oh, this is. Mm-mm. Which is Cursed. so funny because it's them undoing the pairing. It's you well, they, well you it want. is and it isn't though like because next episode is where they really put a stamp like put the nail in the coffin and and you know he gets you know final like no i'm i'm not no. not only am i not gonna date you i'm gonna move across the country <laughs> like i'd say i'd say this episode it's already done and well what, based that, based on based, based on, on how what percentage of episodes you remember week to week uh let's put a pin in that until next week <laughs> Just saying, just saying. Uh, but I think right. if I had to, if I had to put a, a, a like specific point on it, I think this is probably the episode that I'm thinking of when I think of this pairing, and I'm like viscerally repulsed by it. I think this is the episode, and that's why. Um, but uh, in any event, uh, we go from there. Kenny's mom comes down to tell Chen that Kenny may have permanent brain damage. Ugh. And that uh, she brought Kenny's little sister, Emma, down to get tested. Cool. Uh, everything's just coming up roses. Everything's coming up Millhouse in this episode. Like, everyone is just having a normal one today. Uh, Lizzie has Claire's mom called in to hopefully convince her to stay. And uh, Lydia here making a brief appearance is a little surprised that Lizzie called the mom since Claire is over 18. And yeah, she, uh, that's really, I think outside of her purview at this point, like mm-hmm. ladies over 18, like just cause she's got an eating disorder doesn't mean that she's not capable of making her own decisions. Uh, she's an adult. Uh, and Claire's mom here in a brief appearance is played by actress Anne E. Curry, who had a recurring role on the TV series, Hill street blues, the rescue and Jag. Uh, why did I pick this one? I'm. Do you want totally, me to do it? No, it's okay. Uh, we go back to Malucci and the and Shelley. Uh, he is. Uh, I the the range of emotions I felt during this scene is just. It's, per- it's perfect. It's an excellent scene, but like it's also an awful scene at the same Four. time. You know. Um, Bellucci's reading Green Eggs and Ham to Shelley while Cleo is doing the pelvic. Um, yeah, she has been assaulted. I'm not. I don't really want to yeah, say that. That's fine. 
Um, Lauren's Lauren had a note though. I if you're not gonna read the first part, I don't need to go into my second. That's part. fair. It doesn't but matter anymore. Um, basically, she's been assaulted. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, she has in fact been assaulted. Um, but Malucci, after hearing what has happened, the medical terminology for what has happened to her, it like kind of freezes, and then she asks, and then Shelley asks, "Can we keep reading?" Whew. This was another, uh, like, not really that medical. It was just an insightful little thing from Jen that she was like, I really hope they got this little girl some therapy after this. Like, after having to play this part. Like, I really hope they got this actress some therapy. Like, having to to be a part of such an upsetting storyline at such a, you know, young age. I mean, this girl is like four, five, maybe. Like, well, no, she's a little older than that. She's probably like six. Yeah, she's probably like six or seven. But like. That's just a lot for a six or a seven year old to take in, even on a like from an acting standpoint. Um, yeah. Well, we go from there. It has come to this. Uh, we get a very it's sort of like the previous scene, like we get a very sweet, very like well done scene that's kind of undone by a weird thing at the end. Uh, as we cut, this one I definitely agree with you on though. Cut back, yes. cut back to Mark's place where Mark wakes up from a, a little nap nap on the chair in the living room. Uh, we get very little score here, like very little, like it's, he just, Martin kind of let the moment speak for itself here. You, you hear like birds and stuff in the background, like city noise, uh, as Mark wakes up and, uh, wakes up to find that David has passed. Uh, even though you can totally see John Collins chest moving, but that's fine. We're not going to talk about it. Um, and he just sort of, like does like a very sweet, like kind of like clean, takes the tube out. It takes the, the cannula out of his nose and like, just kind of like, straightens his pajama top and like cleans him up and everything and then we just get this real weird like i thought i was gonna feel differently about it on this rewatch it's just he kisses his dad on the mouth after he's dead and it's just like it's just weird on multiple levels like like forehead i i understand we see that a lot more or like cheek fine but there there you're right there is something that's just like it's just doesn't quite hit right. Nah, it's it's it, it's like real weird on multiple levels, and like I'm I'm tr- I was trying to like going into it, I was like, okay, I'm being weird, Cro-Magnon dude. Like I'm being caveman dude, where I'm like, that's gay. Like two dudes kissing, even though one of them's gay. <laughs> like even though one of them's dead, like it's still it's gay. And I'm like, the more I watch it, the more I'm just like, the gay thing, like the the fact that it's two dudes kissing is like the third weirdest thing about it. Like it's like. It's the it's it's the Tom Brady of it all. First of all, that you know, it's like a, a son kissing his dad on the mouth. I knew you were gonna go. Like there. that's the that's weird. And then you add in, oh, Tom Brady's dead in this scenario. Like it's it's just okay. So I'm I'm gonna ask this because and like listeners, please feel free to chime in because this this may be sure you know just my family experience or I'm not sure if it's a gendered thing or what. But like I I give my mom like pecks on the lip every once in a while like when I'm leaving or what like for us it's it's relatively normal or like I don't remember if I would do that with my dad because it's been a while I would never do that with my stepdad but like with my mom it's totally normal and like same with my sister we sure. do that all the time so like that part of it to me doesn't hit as weird so I'm sure like god forbid my mother's never going to pass ever but like when she did I might do this but I understand if you're looking at like a fathers and sons situation. It's not as common. It's a very strange um, display of affection, like you, right. like for like you said, Cro Magnon dudes. 
Right. Like, I don't know. I don't know if this is a gendered thing or what. No, yeah. Like, for I, me, I, for for me, it wouldn't be that weird. And I, I speak but as yes, somebody. Because... I mean, I I was, uh, you know, I had a relationship with my parents where I, I mean, like kissing on the lips was not like a common occurrence, but it, I won't say that it never happened. But it certainly right. it certainly didn't happen past the age of like eight or nine. You know, like there was a there was a window of which that was like kind of understood by all parties involved that this is acceptable, and then beyond there it was like yeah a little peck on the cheek you know whatever like that's yeah. that's where we're at you know and we're much more of a hugging family anyway but like right. it just it's it, it, it just and i think it's just odd right and i think what they were trying to do is they were trying to draw some kind of parallel from the last scene where he talks about his mom having this stuff on her face the the mm-hmm. soap on her face and like kissing mark as he's going to bed as a child and like I think that's what they were going for is like a little bit of a weird parallel with that. Just, just hits weird. Yeah. It just hits weird. And I, I don't know. Like I've, I, I, like I said, I really thought I was going to, I thought I was going to feel differently about it this time around because I remember when I watched it the first time I was like, Whoa, record scratch. That's weird. Like, and I really thought that this was going to be one of those things that like my opinion would have evolved over time and things would have changed and I would have felt differently about it. And then the scene came up and I was just like, man, that is a weird choice to make. Like for just just narratively, artistically, like I, okay, like we're 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 doing this, so I don't Listeners, know. Listeners, tell us if we're wrong, Lizzie. What was your take on it? Uh, for the record, we were always a forehead or cheek kissing family and big hugs. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You just know how weird my my mom and my sister. You and, and your are. mom and your sister have a special relationship <laughs> just because of all the three all the things that the three of you went through yeah growing up um, so that that single mom household with two daughters there's there's not a lot of boundaries right there and and, and um, by by uh we should point out for like disclaimer you know whatever like everybody's family situation is different everybody's family right. dynamic of what's what's kosher and what's not as long as everybody's on the same page and everybody's yeah. like consi- like we're not we're not saying like if you don't kiss your parents right like you know i'm not i'm not like besmirching anybody's like childhood experience or or, or their their parental child dynamic whatever like but oh god, I will be the first to acknowledge I am dysfunctionally close to my mother and sister. So, <laughs> but just in, in this in this aspect, context, yeah. it just kind of was odd to me. It was an odd choice. But but yeah. but uh, more importantly, this is of course the end of uh, David. This is the mm-hmm. end of this storyline that we have been sort of poking and prodding at for the better part of uh, three full seasons. You know, season four, five, and six. Like they've. It's been it's it's never like it's it, it's rarely been the focus except when Mark was in San Diego. But like it's rarely been a focus, but it has always been quality and it has always like kept you interested, even when it wasn't on screen and in your face. Like, you know what? One could say it's toasted. <laughs> it's done. It's, it's toasted. And we'll never refer to Shame that again. I know I wanted it out of my system. But yeah, holy shit. Um, we'll get more into this at the end of the episode, but just chef's kiss. On the mouth after your after the chef Jesus is dead. Fucker. So Admit is ordering Admit is ordering some Chinese food. They're gonna pick some up for Carter. Great, cool. Uh, Luca runs in with a trauma, a hot MI. So somebody's having a heart attack. Carter's assisting. Luca's other patient, who's dealing with a bee sting, is crashing. So Carter is left by himself with the nurses. Uh, something's going on with this guy's heart. Carter's just gonna do a swan test by himself. Uh, downstairs even though it needs to be done upstairs because they don't do them in the er 
and he's like, no, it's fine. I'll do it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I got it. It's good. I'll do it. It's fine. Don't worry. Um, and Hale goes to get Luca because they can't do the procedure. And she's told Carter that, and Carter's going to do it anyway. So. Carter's on drugs. Right. Carter's on drugs. I, I love Hale, too, of like, you ain't getting me fired for this. Like, she's, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm going, I'm, not I'm getting the boss. <laughs> yep. And then we see Carrie is paged Lizzie. Um, to tell her that Mark called and David passed a while ago. Uh, but Cordae's got other things to deal with first. Uh, she's trying to convince Claire to stay as she's yelling, as Claire is yelling, trying to be released. And here, I believe here is where we hear the term anorectic. One of, one of several. This, yeah. Okay. But Lauren had it specifically marked in the notes here. So. It just, it just struck me as odd. Okay. And again, the makeup department this week pulling their weight as Claire looks very ghostly. Am I correct? Am I correct in that assessment? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just, just, yeah. They they pale her <laughs> yeah. up real good. Yeah. So and then um, they're getting into a whole little argument, and then Corday eventually just says, basically just says, "Fine, you do what the fuck you want." A friend of mine died today fighting for his life. Pedantic checking in. Did he though? Yeah. Like three episodes ago, he wanted to go to hospice. Like no. Did he? Or is this just like conveniently, narratively convenient for Corday when she's trying? He was still, he was still receiving medical care all the way up to the end. Sure, I just, you know, he wasn't like fighting, fighting, but like he was drawing out his last bit of time. Fair enough. Just saying. Uh, In any event, we go from there to uh, back to Carter's uh, little manic adventure in the trauma room, uh, finishing up his swan test when Luca barges in. Uh, bright red blood is in the tube, uh, meaning he perforated his septum. He's got a hole in his heart. Great. Uh, and Luca with the uh, line, we are supposed to work together. Next time, tell me what you're doing, which I think is a nice little kickoff to what is essentially going to be the like the main adversarial relationship over the next like two to three seasons. Like We're just going to have mm-hmm. this, this Luca Carter pissing match for the next uh, two or three years. So I'm kind of, uh, kind of here for it kicking off in earnest uh we then go from there to uh dave uh working on mr burke uh stitching up his face uh and he's in some clear discomfort here carrie comes in in the middle and tells him that he needs to give the guy more lidocaine because uh, clearly he's doing the sutures in a way that is uh causing mr burke some pain uh and i feel like this would be the point in the episode where the doug ross force ghost would come back and give dave a a little fist bump he's like i never thought of that one (laughs) like he'd be like i never thought to do that like that's Chef kiss, genius move. Like, don't give the guy lidocaine before you do his stitches. Like, mm, you made me so proud, son. Uh, but Chen has paged Romano for a consult with Kenny's mother and sister. And, and it's like, oh, no, this is not a surgical consult. I'm sponsoring a petition to have County do <sighs> expand genetic, their genetic testing. And corners Romano into signing the petition as Romano's just like, I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> while smiling. <laughs> Oh, then we see Luca. I just also have to love how she cornered him into that. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Like, it's it's Excellent. a big Lucy move, and I love it. Um, But Luca is looking for Carol, and Carrie scolds Carter for not following procedure. Like, dude, you gotta fucking listen. You gotta fucking listen. But he's on drugs. Is he on drugs? He might be on drugs. Um, And then there are multiple stab wounds to the chest coming in. Carter offers it to Malucci, but he turns it down because, boy, he's had a day. And um, Who hasn't in this over, episode? Yeah. And then we go over to Luca and Carol on the roof 
where Carol lets Luca down gently. So I say this is the end of Hathamach. We'll see. There's, I, I know there's specifically one yeah, scene. Yeah, there's a very in specific episode, scene in the next episode that, that, that this is not the end end. It's it's an end, but it's not the yeah. end. But because mostly because, you know, at this point, Luca can't take a fucking hint. Like, you know, Luca's looking for ready made family, you know, like made to order. Like, dude's trying to fill a hole. <laughs> I mean, it is. That's exactly what it is. I mean, no, you're right. It's just thinking about it that way. <laughs> but uh, in any event, we go from there to our final scene of the episode. Uh, Mark is working on paperwork at home uh, when Lizzie comes in and reads off the laundry list of stuff he's trying to take care of, you know, the funeral home and selling the house in San Diego. And that's kind of the thing that sets him off. Like, that's kind of the, the, the idea of having to sell his parents' house in San Diego is is really the thing that kind of pushes him over the edge. And he here come the, the tears and the sadness. It all just kind of comes flowing out of Mark. And as I said earlier in the episode, like, it's not in, like, Anthony Edwards' like, main wheelhouse to do the fake crying. Like, it just doesn't really hit as hard as some of his other uh, – emotions uh so that was a little bit i mean i i think they do it well enough like it, the, the moment still has its requisite emotional impact it's still kind of a nice like punctuation mark on the end of the sentence that has been this episode um but it was just kind of a like like man let's try another take like let's try another one one more time like and i do think lizzie adds a little bit to it as well like just being there and kind of being that comforting like she's got like her arm around him and he's kind of like he's almost like clinging to her arm at a certain Mm -hmm. point like it's less of a hug and more of just like he is clinging on to her for any sort of support and help and uh so yeah that's the end of the episode and and like we've said for a lot of the posts all in the family stuff in this season um this episode is like really uh held up strongly by the mark and david stuff with the caveat of we get some really excellent supporting stuff from malucci too like malucci's doing a lot of heavy lifting in this episode too there's no like inherent storyline in this entire in this in this episode that i would say that that really doesn't work for me and needs to be removed all of them have some good beats to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd give it a solid eight. Solid nine for me personally. Just just because of just how good uh John Coleman yeah is in this episode. Like holy shit. I think man brought it for his last episode. I think uh Benton and Luca is kind of fillery, if I'm being honest. Like Benton and Luca is just sort of like meh meh. But that's only like one Yeah, it's, it doesn't it doesn't two, last the like whole two, episode. Like 30 seconds. It doesn't last the whole episode, but it is just sort of a kind of like fillery sort of bit for me let's put it um, this way i honestly forgot that that happened this episode well that so but that's how that's how that. fillery it is it's like it doesn't <laughs> matter um and then the the guy stealing the ambulance i thought was a little too wackety schmackety for my taste like that that pushed me beyond my level of but until lizzie reminded me that somebody's gonna steal a tank later in the show and then i was pulled right back into my suspension of disbelief (laughs) because oh no if you have a problem with this it's gonna get so much stupider when there's a writer's strike and they're letting a you know chimp write the episode uh hey that's not in season 14 is it it seems very season 14 just on its surface so it's i forget when it is but like it's that's because morris is still an asshole Ah, at that point but what the listeners have to say about this one lauren uh, KDB says, David giving Elizabeth the pearls just warms my heart. Hearing David tell Mark he was proud of him becoming a doctor was truly a great moment. Such a gut-wrenching moment when he passes and Mark breaks down on Elizabeth. 
Not ready to let go of David Green. He was a truly great addition to the show. I love Luca, but this episode makes him seem so cringy. You can tell he notices Carol isn't overdug and he tries to get with her anyways. Something about that just bothers me. KDH says, I, I really was won over for sure by Malucci this episode. His reaction to the father, although probably not handled the best, was raw and visceral. I love when he was reading to the little girl. I believe Carrie was a little too harsh on Carol, although I think at this point Carol is just there and everybody knows she's on her way out. Otherwise, one of my favorites. Heather R. says, Poor Mark, saying goodbye to both of his parents in the span of season six. Really sweet how Mark's dad becomes a recurring part of the show in the second half of this season so the two can repair their relationship. Mark taking care of his dad, so frail and near the end, in his living room with a gentle bath. Ugh, heartstrings. And also the scene with Elizabeth when... The scene with Elizabeth when David gives her the necklace. I understood why she tried to give them back later, saying they should go to Rachel, I think. But seeing the pain in Mark's face there, I always want to say, no, just, just keep the pearls. Don't make it awkward. But it was all very sweet. Also love how Elizabeth lashes out at a patient about it, saying her friend died. Seeing Mark take care of all the responsibilities and tasks that come with dealing with death when Elizabeth arrives later and then breaking down in her arms. Heartstrings again. Franner W says, when David asks for a Bloody Mary and says, what's it gonna kill, what's it gonna do, kill me? The way his face is lit and the look they exchange, perfect. And also when Mark realizes he is dead, all the background noise stops and it is just Mark and his dad and the background noise doesn't come back until Mark walks over to the window. All so perfect. When Connie walks into the lounge and interrupts the almost kiss of Carol and Luca, I love that she does a double take as she realizes that she may have just interrupted something and that there is something tea-worthy going on. It's quick, but definitely there. Do you need me to tag? Daniel, I, can, I was like, I can probably do one more. Guys, you put a lot of responses in today and I love it. Um, I lo it's almost like sometimes you guys see how many you're going to put in before I have to tap out and share with Daniel. <laughs> At Valerie Z says, my favorite Malucci episode. Overall, I never had the opinion of his character as a bad guy. True, some of the stuff he did was shitty, most notably the way he acted in the trauma with Benton's nephew. That's that one being, of them. That's one of the moments. That, uh-huh. That being said, his sweetness of wanting to protect innocent children is lovable. Big time Doug Ross vibes in this episode with the attacking of the father. The scene with Mark and his dad telling each other they love one another gets me every time and the final scene when he takes off the oxygen and gently kisses him is just so poetically beautiful. Luca and Carol this episode is awkward. I thought it was sweet of Carrie to give Carol additional sick days when she saw how much Carol was struggling and I always just wondered, do you think Carol ever reveals to Doug <laughs> Carrie's true sweet nature? Either way, I do like this episode a great deal. <laughs> I can't imagine that conversation ever happening. Or or if it did happen, nope. I can't imagine Doug ever buying it. Uh, at Leah, 1989, the brevity of the Luca Carroll pairing shocked me as I rewatched this season. From the original airing, I somehow remember it being so much more than what it is. They are barely even a pair at all. I was utterly dumbfounded seeing all of this unfold again. 
Uh, one of Dave's strong points here, comforting the little girl and being outraged about what's occurred. I'm not bothered whatsoever at him serving up some justice and breaking the Hippocratic Oath when he assaults that sorry excuse for a father and sutures him without sufficient pain meds. Finally, Mark, David, and Elizabeth, the conversations, the pearls, this one made made me feel for Mark unlike any other episode to this point. Between his divorce, his mom, his dad, and his own issues that will arise, it's a rough patch after rough patch, uh, which he handles with so much dignity. Yeah, we are sort of starting to hit Mark over the head with the uh, Jeannie Boulay stick, aren't we? Like, we're kind of- A little we're bit. Kind of, we're into the, like, truly sad part of his existence on this show. Uh, and at the full time dad says as a man who spent years with a strained relationship with my own father watching Mark and his dad's final moments touch me to the core hearing David struggle to express his love and pride in his son brought tears to my eyes and seeing Mark known for his stoicism break down at the end of the episode drove me over the edge it's every bit as emotional as any moment we've seen this year. But Loose Ends has several other great storylines, none more so than Dave's righteous contempt of the father who molested his daughter. As far as I'm concerned, he was doing the Lord's work. <laughs> Attaboy. Carrie was an underrated star of this episode, too. Her handling of Carol's breakdown showcased the compassion that is one of her character's trademarks that offsets her blind ambition. And yes, she was right to scold Dave for roughing up the rapist, Hippocrates, and all that jazz. You can kind of, in hindsight, see the buildup to Carter's abuse story. Hey, Lizzie. Uh, really prominent in this episode, and he's having one of those mania-like highs where everything seems okay, but you can see that cowboy streak amplified. Because he's on drugs. <laughs> Chen and Corday have underrated moments within the well-layered episode. Chen advocating for the child's family and invoking a patented pissed-off smile from Romano. And Corday with the absolutely beautiful and heart-wrenching scene with David where she looks absolutely stunning and uncomfortable wearing Mama Green's pearls. She and David's relationship has been a highlight of season six. And finally, there's Carol, finally face-to-face with her choice, Animal Crackers or the eager Dr. Kovach. Her breakdown, fittingly describing Daniel's feelings about her place in season six, I hate my life. I'm so happy she's about to get the best happy ending in ER history. I am too. I, I feel like people maybe get the impression that I'm not like I've soured on Carol. I mean, it's really just the fact of where we are in the timeline. Like it's just, she's yeah. had her time and it was great and we've all enjoyed it. And it's abundantly clear to everyone involved that it's time for her to move on. And I'm cool with that. And everything has to come to an end. So I'm totally no shade to Juliana Margulies, no shade to Carol. Every, love everybody. Everybody's great. Come to an end next week at Shell. Uh, but that's about going to wrap up our episode for today, though. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash Podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. And for only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry. 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 <laughs> Jerry. You sound, sound like, a... like his mom. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews and over 45 hours of bonus audio and video content. Including the, the season, including the full season recap episodes, a freeform monthly bonus show called The Lounge, and movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. Unfortunately, we just, I'm not sure, we'll go ship be out, be out by this time. It's coming, whether it's out or not. A lot of that depends on whether or not I've had the gumption to edit it by now. <laughs> but <laughs> To live through it again. Man, what a god it, it's movie. It's either coming soon or it's already happened to you. One of the two. <laughs> Subscribe at the $5 level and it can happen to you too. <laughs> uh, and who's fixed to those? We're Lauren Reed, some ER fan fiction. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. 
We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Saying the Tone Podcast, and we are at Saying the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Saying the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? I don't have anything creative this week on why they should follow me on Twitter, but they should follow me at lobob92345. And you can also find me on Twitter. I, there's no reason to follow me. I barely tweet anymore. I mostly just like pictures of cute trans women. But that's and cats and cats yes lots of cats um but you can find me i am at random gamer that's jm3r on twitter uh and thank you all very much for listening as always please join us again next time have a great week Bye.